Knuckleball of a kick by Nick Folk. Pats take a 14-10 lead, and we got a mess of a podcast today. I'm sorry in advance, y'all. I was literally forced by my educational institution to drink a bottle of champagne after submitting my thesis. John was forced by our educational institution. Oh, see, it's already happening. I can barely speak. And he had to stay up all night last night, so John's off an all-nighter. And then we got special guest Torben. What's up, dude? Big CMC football player. Torben's the boy, huge Pats fan. How you doing, bro? I'm doing good. Just happy to be here. Yeah, Torben is sober off a good night of sleep, so he's going to balance us out. We decided, oh, this is going to be a mess. What do we need? We need someone who slept well and hasn't consumed alcohol. So let's get after it. All right. Patriots, Bills. This is a defensive showdown right now. We got 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Mac Jones has thrown a one pass. He's completed one football, and it was shaky at best. The Patriots are just running the football down the Bills' throat. It's been a mess of a game. No complaints. Introductory thoughts real quick on this game before we hit to our general introduction topic that we got to hit on for this podcast. John, quick, quick. Quick, Pat's Bills thought. I mean, you would think that if you had some faith in your quarterback every once in a while, you would throw the play action in there. But I think I think Bill Belichick is honestly going for a record at this point. And I think he just kind of wants to embarrass the Bills in a, in a hilarious way because, you know, they're the big team in the AFC East. And now, two years after Tom Brady's gone, he's atop the AFC, the entire AFC, I mean, along with, like, the Chiefs, I think they're really close, but like on on Monday Night Football to embarrass the Bills like this, that'd be hilarious. Thorman, love that take, by the way. Fire take, right? You know, there. I I think it really comes down to those big boys up front. That Pat's O line is just dominating the Bills front. I mean, most plays the Bills have had ten men in the box, and we're still just consistently getting five six yards of carry. Like, I just think. You got to keep going back to the run game when you can do that to this great Bills defense. And I think the most hilarious stat is that Mac Jones has more rushing attempts than passing attempts this whole game. And they happen on one drive, on back-to-back plays. Literally a couple QB sneaks and bang, just like that. Torrey, you make such a good point, too, because I've literally been turning to you this entire game being like, oh, look, the Bills have 10 in the box again. Yeah. (laughs) I wonder what the Patriots are going to do. And then it's a handoff to the left or right side, flip a coin, and that's all we're getting. All right, special, special introductory topic today, John. We got to discuss the homeless. Dude, how did this even come up? Do you remember how this conversation came up? Not even. Because I have no clue how this conversation came up. Are we just going to talk about homeless people? No, we're just going to talk about homeless people. That's exactly what's going to happen. All right, Torben. So normally for the introduction, we do something in general. So overall... What are your thoughts on the homeless? And then we're going to get into like some very like specific questions that I have. But just overall, we're in L.A. Homeless people are everywhere. You are from Washington. There's also oh, Seattle a- is Seattle. one of the biggest places for homeless people. I mean, like I've I, I had the chance to work in Seattle my, my freshman summer. And I was like interacting with homeless people every day, like the bus stop, like one dude like asked me to start rapping with him. Like, <laughs> there's some funny interactions with homeless people in Seattle. But like, obviously, homelessness is like a really unfortunate reality in our system. Like, I think that the government probably could do better to to help homeless people out. But all right, so you're walking down the street and you see a homeless guy, and you have a dollar in your wallet. Oh, I'm giving him the dollar. You're giving him the dollar. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like if I have cash on me, I'm, I'll, I'll usually give it to him. Usually, I've got to be convinced a little bit more. I'm not just going to give anyone my dollar if they're just sitting What does convinced a little more mean? Like a convincing sign like, hey, I'm a homeless veteran, right? Because that's yeah, like a convincing like, message. Like I, or like, like someone, I, in, someone in, that's like playing like uh, – he's like banging drumsticks on like uh, – what do they do with the, like the cans and stuff? They're playing like – like If you're to play doing some kind of service on the side of the road and I can enjoy it, then yeah, sure. I will gladly give you a dollar – with, without any second thought and you said it veterans absolutely and like if you if you see any kind of amputee sitting on the side of the road you give them that you give them that dollar but that being said LA whole different ball game 
whole different ballgame. I'm from D- I'm from right outside D.C., and I always thought that D.C. homeless was, like, a bad problem. But when you just have, like, entire blocks, it's such a problem, and it's everywhere in L.A. It's, like, it, there's nowhere where you can just, where you can just not see it. Well, they literally, like, build their homes on the sidewalk, and then it's, like, considered, like, taking their personal property or some nonsense Mm -hmm. when you come to, like, evict them because they've, like, established residency. It's some nonsense. All right. I'm with you guys. If I see a homeless person, definitely I'll give them a dollar depending on, like, a couple things. If there's, like, a veteran, if they look like they're not completely, like, off of being, like, drugged out of their mind... Like, that's a big thing for me. Like, if I look at you and I sit, think, like, all right, you might be addicted to something, but you don't look like you're literally off, like, crack. Like, that that's huge for me. If I see someone tweaking out on the sidewalk, I'm probably not going to give him a dollar. Like, it, it has to be, like, very, very reasonable. Like, last night I was walking to 7-Eleven, and there was this homeless dude sitting outside of the, outside of the 7-Eleven, and he was just tweaking. And it was like, if he had just been sitting there normally... I probably would have given him a dollar, but he was just like, he looked like he was off some crazy drug, and I was a little petrified to interact with him, also, to be honest with you. The, the people who are like, so grateful, or how do I put this? Like, you don't like- They're like, thank you for giving me money. No, no, I'm no. homeless, I had nothing. No, 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 but like, they, they, it's like more than just, thank you, have a nice day, God oh, bless yeah, you. Yeah, it's yeah. like, right, they right. show, like true like appreciation and that is always really nice to see that's fact i think you i think you got to be a little more careful with like the the drug thing but i definitely like i had one interaction with a guy in seattle where it was like we were down by the the waterfront and i was with a couple buddies and he really like like we weren't going to give him money because we were kind of worried like he might be spending it on drugs but we offered him like a, like a meal. Like we were like, hey, we'll buy you food. We're at a restaurant, like we're standing in front of a restaurant already. Like, do you want to buy some food? And like, I think that's a totally like fair way to approach it when you've got like a situation like that. Like just like getting a homeless person a hot meal would like, I think that goes a long way. Well, that's facts because like when I give my homeless person a dollar, I'm like 100% expecting that it goes to like a drug or something. I'm not expecting that he is putting this in like a fidelity account and investing in stocks. At the end of the day, like I think addiction is a disease. So like, how, how do you yeah. combat that? All right, that was some good homeless talk. We had to get it out there. John and I, like, dude, we had a great <laughs> intro for this all planned. We were like, all right, we're ready. Like, I know exactly how I'm gonna lead into this homeless discussion. And then John it. stayed up all night and like I was forced to write a thesis and here we are. So, <laughs> I think that pretty much covers it. Some good homeless opinions right there. Pat's bill is still going strong. A little under 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Let's talk some football. It was honestly going into this weekend, I was looking at all the games, and I was like, I'm not that excited for any of them. I remember a distinct moment, John. I turned to you, and I was like, these 1 p.m. games kind of stink. Yeah, we were really <laughs> having a tough time deciding which game we were going to put on, aside from Red Zone and... I mean, we settled on the on the Chargers Bengals game. That actually ended up being the worst game of the early slot, or maybe the best Arguably. one. They were all horrible. I mean, I mean honestly, the well, like, best Chargers, game. No, 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 no. Chargers, no, no, no. Bengals, Vikings yeah. Lions. Char- Vikings was Lions was the game. best game of the one PM slot. That's what we should leave with. Let's yeah, talk about it right hey, now. The Lions finally got a win. <laughs> they got a Dan w. Campbell has his first head coaching win of his career. Um, I think the Lions are so much better than a one win team, though. Like. We got to realize they've been within three points, seven games. Yeah. That's a field goal away from being seven and seven or seven and six at this point of the season See, in all of those games. People always say that, Torben. And my issue with that is like that used to be a big narrative with the Chargers with Phillip Rivers. It'd be like, all right, Phillip Rivers is four and eight, but he's had seven one score games where he's just lost by three. And at some point, it's just like, you can't get the job done. But that's just because I think I mean, Dan Campbell's a clown. And Jared Goff. Yo, speaking of Jared Goff, you know that was his first win without Sean McVay? Yes. Because he had Jeff Fisher on the OG St. Louis Rams, oh where he never won a game. They went to L.A., you know, hired Sean, Sean McVay or whatever. He wins the football games, goes to Detroit, hadn't won a football game. Oh so I was rooting for it. Like, I think it was so exciting to see them get a win. 
Because no one honestly wanted to see the Lions go 0-16-1. If they were going to go 0-17, it would have been funny. But 0-16-1 is just stupid. It's sad. At that point, go like 0-15-2. Like, squeeze yeah. another tie in there. <laughs> like, you guys got super close. Make it special. Dude, it was actually kind of a devastating loss for the Vikings. If they won that game, they were going to be 6-6. Six and six. Instead, they're 5-7. and seven. They're playing catch-up again. Like, realistically, if you want to secure your spot in the playoffs at 5-7, and seven, you have to win out. Mm-hmm. And that's no that's no easy order. So the Vikings really absolutely blew a game. There goes my water. Oh my goodness, what Is a mess. computer in there? No, I just kicked over my water. My computer's on my lap. I'm just oh. I'm, I'm out of control right now, bro. Well, you have two computers. All right, well, the other one's not here. Bottom line is I kicked over my water and it didn't spill on my computer. We'll keep talking about some football, bro. Uh, another game I wanted to cover, let's talk Ravens-Steelers, dude. That was a very, very solid game. We were watching that, and it was actually very, very sick, because right at the end of the 4 p.m. windows, you had the Ravens and Steelers coming down to the wire, as well as the Seahawks 49ers. So it was, like, kind of two sick games at, like, I think pretty much when the Ravens went for two to try and win the game. It was when the 49ers were going for it on fourth and goal to try to tie the game. It was like, you got two TVs up, you're watching these things happen at the same time. So let's go one game at a time. Ravens-Steelers, the key question is, it's a 20 to 19 game. You tie the game up potentially with an extra point. You can win it by going for two. And in all fairness to Harbaugh, he's kept it pretty consistent in Baltimore. He has his nuts hanging. Mm-hmm. He goes for it on fourth down. He goes for two-point conversions. He wants to win football games. That's his philosophy. So to me, I don't think that most teams should go for two in that situation. I think we were talking a little pre-podcast. Torben brought up a good point. Like, did anyone really have confidence in the Steelers to win that game in overtime? No. Absolutely not. You thought the Ravens would go down, get a drive. Oh, I love it. Wow. Man, the Bills just missed a 33-yard attempt. Hint, why has Mac Jones not been throwing the football? Literally because the wind is going 50 miles an hour and you can't throw a football. And as as the stat showed earlier, that is Tyler Bass's first miss all season from within <laughs> 40 yards. Oh, that was great. Torvin was holding on to that one. Yeah. They literally pulled that up for his last field goal and Torvin was like, he's bound to this one. And it wasn't that one, it was the next one, but Jesus, the wind is out of control. Back to what I was saying. So I think bottom line is that because, like, if the Ravens could have just gone to overtime and won that, like, most teams should take that to overtime. But the Ravens' philosophy is to win football games and go for it on fourth down, so I can't hate on them going for it. So I like the call. What are you guys' thoughts? I don't like you. You, men, you mentioned this. I don't like the fact that they didn't run it with Lamar. I, 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 it doesn't sit well. Like he was open. Don't get me wrong. And the pass should have been Mark complete. Andrews. Mark was Andrews. He was wide open. But I don't like the play call of just a little flat. Like you give it to you, you give it to your best player in the field, your fastest player in the field, the best playmaker, or you take the field goal, or you take the extra point. I, I, I think it's that, or just give it to Lamar. You don't just. Throw it. You don't give it to someone else. That's what I was saying, John. You want the ball in Lamar's hand. I don't hate the call. I hate the play that they ran. My thing is, you take the Ravens, and in that game against their biggest rival, I would have, I would have loved that play call if the Steelers weren't so inefficient on offense. Like, I just don't see the Steelers doing anything, even if they get the ball first in overtime. Like, they're not going to score. And then you turn around, and you have the best kicker in the NFL who just needs a field goal to win the game. Like, especially you go Justin Tucker on the extra point, Justin Tucker on the field goal in overtime. I'd much rather have that than a two-point conversion to win it. I, I, I usually am a big proponent of going for two in those situations. Let's, let's get this game over with. Like, that's just a hard decision when you got Justin Tucker. Torben, for me, there's very few teams I actually like that for. It's like Harbaugh and the Ravens, maybe Ron Rivera and the Washington football team, because Riverboat Ron, you know, he'd be going for it. Pete Carroll and the Seahawks, I think I'd like it there. Like, if you and want Tom Brady, you want to have him do it. The Chiefs going the for Chiefs, two, yeah. they're always a, a good pick for, for a creative play. There's probably like a handful of teams where I'm like, 
okay. It makes sense based on your philosophy and the fact that you're really good at football to go for it. But it's just, it's such an interesting question because the counter narrative is like, if you are really good at football, you should win the game in overtime. Difficult, difficult decision. Seahawks, 49ers. That was a nail biter. It was such a bummer because, Dorman, this is not your team, but this is the team of where you're from. Yeah, I mean, my dad was at the game. The Seahawks won this game, and it felt like it was like a week or two too late. They went in their 4-8, and eight, and they're still like years away from the playoffs, not anywhere close. Like, doesn't feel like that big a win to them. It feels like a bigger loss from the 49ers standpoint. Russ actually looked really good. The run game finally got going. It looked like you were seeing like that old Seahawks offense, but... Oh my god, Mac Jones throws another pass! The second pass of the game! Did he complete it? Unfortunately, Nelson Aguilar did not catch that he ball. He didn't wow. catch it. Alright, Mac Jones, completion percentage down to 50%. Oh, Damn. that was good deep. Hey, yeah. that, was good that, was, that was tremendous defense. Dude, you know what's being slept on? The Bills don't even have Tredavious White. He literally tore his ACL on Thanksgiving last year, and we're still not passing the football. That was their second pass of the game. There's 6.44 left in this fourth quarter. Pats lead 14 to 10. Like, Hey, if the Pats pick up a first down here, though, what are the odds they run it for seven minutes and just end this game? That's the only way we're going to win. Is oh, that we have, to, we have to run out the clock. Oh, a screen pass. Who knew? Hey, See, but now he's at 66%. Where, that's what really irks me is that it took us till 6.30 to go in the fourth quarter to figure out that we could throw a screen pass. I, we don't need to throw it down the field all the time. I'm just asking, instead of running it every single play – like a Weston High School offense that's like not even Division Five anymore. We've been regulated. We're so bad that we're in like this new division with art schools. All right. Instead of that, you you can also pass do a screen pass to the running back or the wide receiver. Maybe an end around. Just like some basic creativity would have been nice to see. Well, we had a, we had a few end arounds. I think they got a hand handoff to Kendrick Bourne, Kendrick Bourne. and and I think one to Nelson Aguilar as well. It's a dangerous spot because I just feel like we've been dominating the Bills and Josh Allen is like one play away from taking the lead and us having no chance of coming back. Do you feel good about Mac Jones leading a drive if the Bills score a touchdown here down three with like two minutes to go? Because I'd love to see it. Like for entertainment purposes, I need to see Mac Jones down a couple scores in a tough environment. Weather isn't good, you know? Like can he come back from down three points? But do I like his odds? Not particularly. Doesn't look good. Around the NFL, the only other game I want to talk about, boys, maybe maybe a little a little Chiefs Broncos talk real quick, because I thought Pat Mahomes was back. I said this a couple weeks ago. He looked good again, and I watched him play the Broncos, and he really didn't look that good. I still think there's problems. He's still capable of exploding on you, but I don't think it's solved yet. That interception was not his fault. I will say that, but you're right. He had a really bad game. Um, I mean, ultimately, the Chiefs are finding ways to win, which is what good football teams do, even if it's not necessarily consistent. Do I still have the fear in my heart that Pat Mahomes at any given point can do literally anything he wants? Yes. And I will let you guys know that if that changes, but until otherwise, that's how I feel. And so I still think the Chiefs are one of the best teams, if not top three team in the NFL. It's just like weird seeing Pat Mahomes pass the ball for 178 yards. That's a weird thing to see. It's the second time it's happened in his career. I think the first time was like three weeks ago. That's also weird. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with both of you, but the Chiefs have gone 5-0 and in the last five weeks. And... They beat some good teams. They beat the Packers. They had no Aaron Rodgers. They had Jordan Love. You're you're right. You're right. But they beat good teams. Like the Broncos. I think the Broncos could have beaten the Packers because you could have put me on the Patriots' offense, where I would have had to make two passes all game, one of which was a screen pass, and we would have beaten Jordan Love for the Packers. Uh, But I think like (laughs) like like, I didn't expect them to play very well against the Broncos. Like the Broncos are one of the best defenses in the league. I expected a little more out of the Broncos' offense. I would have liked it to see to see a better game. It was a boring game. It was a like, boring game. Teddy Bridgewater played awfully, but but other than that, like I I don't want, I wouldn't expect that much better from the Chiefs' offense against the Broncos' D. Yeah, I mean their their defense is one of the tops in the league. I mean there was a reason that they were six and five, 
with a clunky offense, you know, going into going into yesterday. And so, yeah, now they're five hundred. But that's a respectable team that will give anyone a hard day any any given Sunday. So it, they still scare me. I just was expecting them to kind of get hot and then be unstoppable again. And instead, they like got hot and looked good for a couple games, and then it just kind of looked like they were out of sync. I think the next two weeks are going to be huge for the Chiefs because you got two divisional games against probably the two better teams in the division: the Chiefs, I mean the Raiders, Raiders. and then the Chargers. Um, so I think it's a real. Te- I think the Raiders are a real test because um, if they lose to the Raiders, I-, I would say their season's not looking very good. I mean, they're eight and four. I think they're going to slide in the playoffs they're either top way. They're AFC right now. But and they're still going to terrify me in the playoffs either way. They're not but a top three AFC they, if they the past playoff is done. This though. is true, but right now they're top the AFC. Right now the Patriots are top. Well, the they're AFC. tied with the Patriots and oh, the Titans. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, but what I said was technically not. All right. Well, we'll update you guys in like fifteen minutes on the standings because this game will be over. Let's hit on some college football real quick. John, chime in with any thoughts. I know. I know it might be like far yeah. if you no, between, I, don't, but, I don't really watch but, it. But but hop in. There there were some games on. You were peeping a little bit. You were you were in the vicinity. You know, the TV was on. Big, big day of college football. There was a lot on the line. Alabama, Georgia. Bama came in and stomped on Georgia. Nick Saban as an underdog is free money. It's free money. Unless he literally is missing like his entire offensive line and his quarterback and all of his wide receivers and his running back and his defense has COVID, so he's playing with like his fourth string. I'd even he's take, I'd even take fourth string recruits for Bama. I mean, their fourth stringers are still five-star recruits. And Stetson Bennett, it's kind of what I've been saying all year. Georgia just like, to me, I'll get to this in a second, but they don't really deserve to be in the college football playoff and... I don't view them as a scary team because Stetson Bennett is like 5'8 and skinny and can barely throw, and I don't trust him to win a big-time football game. I trust Georgia's defense to win a football game, but their quarterback and their offense, no, I don't. And when a team puts up 41 on you, Stetson Bennett ain't going to match that. I mean, I think it really comes back to the – like, there's this old phrase, the defense wins championships. But I think at this point in time – I think that's coming into question. Like, I don't know if we can still say that a defense alone can win a championship for a team. And I agree with you. I just don't think the Georgia offense is special enough to get it done in the playoffs. I'd be really scared of that Michigan defense coming up. Well, that's the thing. I think a defense in a run game can still win you a college football championship, which is what you see with Michigan. Because they have a defense and then they have Haskins, they can pound the ball. If Georgia was like, Four years ago, and they had Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb in their primes out of the backfield with this current defense. That'd be terrifying. As I just boomed ESPN, there goes our game. Someone figured this out while I'm in the middle of my rant. Sorry about that. Back to my point here, okay? As the TV is gone and I'm roasting Georgia. I think the issue with Georgia is that they don't have like a particularly good running game or a particularly good offense. Their defense is dominant. Their defense is the best defense in college football. No disrespect to Michigan. Maybe one of the best defenses in college football ever. It's up there. It's really, really good. I don't want to like say it's the best ever no. because I think you really have to win a natty with that defense to do that. And I don't think Georgia will. But just based on this season up to this point, they've been unbelievable. I just don't think they deserve to be in a playoff after losing a Bama who literally like should have lost to Auburn the week before. And regardless, like... Does anyone really have any confidence in Georgia? No. I think that... Are you interested to watch Georgia play another big-time game? Their best win over number 22 are... I would like to see if they can turn it around. I'd like to see if Kirby Smart comes out with something better than what he came out with against Bama. I mean, against Bama, they were just throwing it to their big guys and hoping that somebody could make a play. And it worked out for them in the first half. It was a tight game in the first half, but then Bama kind of just ran away with it. They just don't have the talent like Bryce Young and Jamison Williams on the offensive side of the ball. Well, it's going to be a sick matchup because you get Georgia and Michigan, so it's going to be very defensive. And it's a perfect matchup for Georgia because it's not for Michigan. Michigan would rather play a team that doesn't have as good a defense, that has a a more high-powered offense like in Ohio State because they can run the ball down their throat and then control the game time, control like time of possession, you know, control the ball, and their defense will do the work. The issue is that Michigan's playing Georgia, and it's going to be an incredible defense battle. 
like, incredible. It's going to be running the ball on defensively. Whereas, like, if Georgia was playing Cincinnati or something, I think I'd feel differently about it. But, yeah. I don't know. That's Georgia. Cincinnati, get him out of there. Cincinnati has had a really good defense this year. I'm excited to see Desmond Ritter play another high-profile game because he's one of those quarterbacks that there's a lot of hype around. And honestly, is he draft eligible? I think he low-key is draft eligible this year. Yeah. I could I, be wrong. I, I, I'm not sure because I haven't seen him in any of the mock drafts I've been reading, but I would think he's at least a, a first or second round Yeah, guy. no, so he's, he's draft eligible, which is huge. So he's draft eligible, so I think he could improve his stock a lot in this game. Oh, it yeah. could be a thing similar to Mac Jones, where Desmond Rimmer, Ritter upsets Alabama, similar to Joe Burrow, similar to Baker Mayfield, any of these quarterbacks that pop off in these championship games and get all the hype. If he upsets Alabama, dude, you might be talking about like top five, dare I say number one picks. And this take sounds like I am drunk right now. And I had a thesis party. Like, if Desmond Ritter upsets Bama, he's going to go from like, late first round pick to should we be taking him like top five like is he someone to build around especially if he looks good in the championship game after upsetting alabama he has a huge boomer bust i could not agree with you more like i i i love cincinnati i think their coaching has been awesome this year uh coach fickle is a beast like he 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 could end up leaving cincinnati f this year and take whatever job in college football he wants because he has been so good and it's the first time a group of five teams gotten into the playoff. Like, that's crazy. Well, and they we had, had such a good run last year, and you thought they were going to get there. Yeah. They fell just short, and so it's good to see them come back. Well, and especially, like, in the past, you had that, like, you had the UCF team that was also undefeated and probably just as good. So for the CFP to finally, like, realize the value in, in putting a group of five team in that's undefeated, the only undefeated team in the, in the CFP, I think they're going to pose a real threat to Bama. I don't, I don't think that... Um... I, I think it's dangerous when you talk about Alabama, Torin, because especially when Nick Saban has like a month to prepare for you, that's scary. It's December 6th, bro. This bowl game is in early January. Like, Nick Saban has a month to prepare for Desmond Ritter, which is why I say if he pops off, it makes it so much more impressive because he's going against... A legendary coach with a good defense who's had a month to prepare for him. But I do agree. I think that it's very good to see them. And it's like kind of if UCF had actually managed after that undefeated year to come back and have another undefeated year. And then the college football playoff committee would have been like, all right, they're here again. Let's put them in. Which is why it's so fun to see Cincinnati there. Because it's yeah. like, dude, is anyone outside of like Alabama or maybe like a diehard SEC fan rooting for Bama? No. No. We're, we are all rooting for Cincinnati to pull off this upset. Like, it's the biggest thing that's being talked about. Other good games, Baylor, Oklahoma State. You catch the oh, end to that? That was a sad one. I actually, see, because I thought that Georgia was going to beat Bama. And, and I think all of us can say nobody wanted to see Bama in the college football playoffs. Like, we wanted at least one year where we didn't even have to worry about Bama winning a national title. I think it's only happened like once. So, that game was really, really frustrating because had Georgia beat Bama and Oklahoma State won, I think you have to put Oklahoma State in over um, Alabama. A two-loss Alabama over so one-loss Oklahoma State. Well, you got to put them in. 12, or not but, 12, 12 champ. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was a really tough ending. I mean, he was so close to scoring. I, I was, like, amazed by a couple things. Like, one, that he didn't score. Because when you watched the play at first, you thought he was going to get, get the edge. Two, you've got the six-year senior making the tackle at safety, which is sick. The man has been there for six years, and he makes the game-winning tackle. And three, he got him by, like, the back of the jersey at the last second, which was unbelievable. I was honestly just happy that Baylor won because I didn't believe in Oklahoma State. And so I just didn't want to see them make it and get absolutely wiped by the one seed. Because, like, my thing with the college football playoff is I want good games, and I didn't think Oklahoma State could put up a good game. I think I agree with that. Like I, Spencer Sanders is, I think, one of the better quarterbacks in college football, and I don't think he gets the recognition he deserves. Um, but he threw. But four he threw. Picks yeah, I, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. No, no, no. He he threw four picks against Baylor, two of which were definitely not his fault. Like no touchdowns, four picks is tough. It is. No, it, it was. A, it was a really. And rough I'm with game. you. He's underrated. He's been good for a couple of years now because he was solid last year as well. 
And I yeah, I just think that Baylor defense stepped up in a way that they haven't stepped up all year. And now we get we got we got a great it was a great Big Twelve championship. I I really enjoyed watching the game. Big year for Baylor. They're back. I mean March Madness champs. They're gonna have a top ten football team. That's not something you would have thought about. Like, oh, Baylor's a big time college football like powerhouse again. Like, it's just it's kind of striking. So, mad respect for Baylor. Last game we gotta talk about college football. Pitt Wake Forest. You see that fake slide? Oh my God, Kenny Pickett is legit. John, hop in on this one because this is this is a topic that you can have an opinion on right here. This is not college football in general. All right, so Kenny Pickett might be the best quarterback in the class. That, that's just number one. He, he might be. We'll see. It I, might all I think suck. People, so me saying he's that good might just mean he sucks less than the rest of pe- People are projecting that he's the top draft pick in terms of the, the quarterbacks in this class. I think it, they made it really easy when Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler had maybe the most disappointing seasons <laughs> I've ever seen from highly touted draft prospects. Um, at quarterback. I do look at them in two different ways, though, because Rattler, I look at it as he stunk and it was his fault, whereas his team was good. Whereas Sam Howell, I look at it as like he tried his best, but his team was really bad. Yeah, and Sam Howell will still probably be a first-round draft pick. Spencer Rattler's not Spencer Rattler's not going to go to the get, He's transferring. Yeah. He, he's out here. He's out here. I agree, but no, Kenny Pickett is legit. John, I don't know if you've seen this play. It's on our TikTok. You've definitely seen this. Torben, have you seen this play? The yes. big slide? Yes. So he goes, Kenny Pickett is running full speed, and he goes for a fake slide. He absolutely freezes the safety. It was kind of genius. The quarterback should try it more often. And then he jukes him out and goes for a 58-yard run. And the question is, like, should this be allowed? Because if you start doing that, how are, how are you expecting these safeties to stop? They're running full speed. They're going to take off, like, the head of the quarterback. Like, what do you, what do you honestly expect? You know what I'm saying? Like... Like, they're, they're literally fundamentally not going to be able to stop. So, I think it's an issue. Would you like to see a rule about it in the NFL, college football, football in general? Do you think that should be allowed, or do you think you should, as a quarterback, you can't fake a slide? I think there has to be a certain... Like, the, the, the thing that is so tough about this is that it's really all or nothing. You're either sliding or you're barely faking a sliding because although, otherwise oh, you're falling down. dirty fake, though, dude. He no, but like, dragged yeah. it. The turf was popping dude, up. No, his his knee was probably six his inches knee. from the ground. It was dirty. No, it wasn't. Oh, yeah. He six inches it. from the ground? Absolutely not. He, he, he bent his knee a little bit, started to go down, and then stood back up, stumbled. It was close. And, it like, was close. I'm with Torben. Maybe not six inches, but under a foot. He, he, like, really got down there. Like, I'm telling you, dude, it was gnarly. I watched it plenty of times, but all right. Anyway. <laughs> John is having none it, of it. It's, no. That, like, was, that no. was a go F yourself in a nice <laughs> way. I watched it plenty of times, but all right, go F yourself. <laughs> My point is, go it was yourself. a very, yes, go F yourself. It's a good point that, it, that safety is literally just are going to stop stopping. You know? Well, and then, they, like, like, when they like, bash your head, if, how this do you becomes, if this were to become common practice, like, you literally can't know when you're li- when a QB is going to be faking them out. Because they're only getting faster and faster. This is going to be an issue now that people know that you can do this crazy juke out. That's the other thing you mentioned. The quarterback's going to start copying this because it's not a bad idea. I think that... I don't think there's many quarterbacks that can copy it. That's the thing. I... I think, Lamar. I definitely think it's a broken move. Like I definitely think oh Lamar can obviously. Well, people do it. actually believe I, that Lamar is gonna slide. Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes. You know who would trip it. you up? If Aaron Rodgers pulled it off, that would trip you up because you would think he's sliding, you know. Yeah. Well, and one of the one of the best baseball sliders. Let's go, fourth and fourteen, got the stop. Sorry to Out of way, Miles Bryant. That was huge. Usually, oh, I man. usually don't root for uh, UW Husky alums, but Miles Bryant, he's been all right he's for been, the past. Dude, he had a crazy pick six. I think it was against the Chargers, like way back last year. When I was like, "Oh, who's this Miles Bryant guy?" And he's actually pretty solid. That so I actually met pass. Miles Bryant. Pretty good. Where'd you meet him? I met him at the mall in in uh, Tukwila, Washington. Really? I was just walking around one day, and I this dude I played against in high school was there. He played for UW. Oh my well. God! Bill is smiling and giving his son a hug. 
And I just that is a sight that you'll is, never see. That it's beautiful. Awesome. That's beautiful. But yeah, Miles Bryant was just walking around the mall, so I went. And I met him because I recognized him. It was like his freshman year at UDF. Can I get an official stat count from one of you two on how many times Max Jones has thrown the ball? Because I've counted three. I think it's. I think it was three. Really I've counted is. three. The Bills just used their last time out. Is Bill Belichick really about to win this football game? With Mac Jones throwing the ball three times. Max Jones. Three times. Two for three with 19 yards. He also carried the ball three times, so he carried the ball just as many times as he... Uh, and it, and if they give him carries for his kneel downs, then he'll have more <laughs> carries than he, he threw it. That was a terrible pass by Josh Allen. That was unbelievably under. He also hey, needs to do... Hey, Damian Harris, 10 carries, 111 yards. The Bills run yeah, defense has been exposed. It got exposed by the Colts, and we just, like... Literally called a high school football offense and ran all over them. Oh my goodness. Bill Belichick said, man, Jimmy Garoppolo beating the Minnesota Vikings, only throwing the ball six or seven times. You guys thought that was impressive? Well, let me show you Mac Jones. Three passes in Buffalo. We're not even going to run for 245 on the ground with a running back, CJ Mostert, going out of control. We're going to keep it low-key. We're just not going to get the dub. Close. Now that it's happened, does this like change your opinion? Because when I was thinking the Patriots were going to beat the Bills, I was thinking we were going to see something out of Mac Jones, but we didn't see squat out of Mac Jones. I knew Bill Belichick in a snowstorm could beat Josh Allen by just running the football. Like, I, I knew that was possible. Th this isn't really what I was looking for. It's a dope win. We got the number one seed in the AFC. But, like, how excited are you about it? Like, does it really show that the Patriots are legit and we're back and this is it? Or does it show that we can beat Josh Allen when it's like the wind is fifty degrees? I, I actually, I think it, I think it shows a lot because I think it shows that. Dude, I just said our, the wind was fifty degrees. <laughs> None of y'all caught me on that. Like, I'm sorry, again, fifty miles per hour. I said the wind was fifty degrees. Dude, I'm running at negative fifty miles an hour. I'm running at like fifty degrees, I guess. <laughs> you're you're running on Celsius. That's what you're running on. Yeah. The wind is 50 degrees Celsius. All right, Torben, continue. I was just saying, like, I think that the Patriots' run game is so solid that it, it shows a lot about how, like, even though Max Jones has been so solid, we don't need him as much as uh, I think people think we do. Like, we don't need him to be a, a pro bowler. Like, we just need somebody who's going to come in and play consistent Zero mistake football, and I think we we've seen in the past eight nine weeks that Mac Jones can get that done, and so I think this game just really shows that we can get it get it done on the back of our offensive line, on the back of our running backs, and the Pats are good. Our defense is stout, and and I I think this is championship caliber football. The issue is that if you flip the game right, and let's say the Bills got the first touchdown, we were playing from behind. And Mac Jones had to throw the ball 30 times, and Josh Allen had to throw the ball three times. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you think we can come back and win this game? And the answer is we still don't know. So I agree with you. The run game is really good. The defense is really good. The offensive line has been falling out, especially because early on they were they were iffy at best, dude. The offensive line was shaky. Mac Jones was, like, leading the league in pressures and QB hits. It was bad early on. Mm. So they, they, they've been good. They've looked good. But... My fundamental issue is that, like, I just don't think we've learned that much. Like, build great, masterful defensive game plan. High school offense, we, we ran the football. Like, we didn't have to do anything. Matt Jones, dude, I, I, I say this often and I'm joking where I'm like, oh, I think I could win that NFL football game. Literally, what, what did Matt Jones do that I couldn't do today? A QB sneak in the fake. That's what you yeah, do. Yeah, he picked up. There's, he picked up a, maybe, a key first down. There's maybe like two or three plays that, that I like. That first down is 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 the difference in this game. All right, I'm not gonna lie. Because they don't have to kick field goal. Five, I would have been terrified. Because that field goal that he earned them there means they had to go for the touchdown at the end of the game. Can you believe in the modern day, 2021 December 6th? Two, Mac Jones. Three, Mac Jones has to run yards. backwards here. No touchdowns, no uh, picks. Well, we have to punt. They're gonna, the Bills are going to get the ball with one second left, and it'll be interesting to see what they do. I wouldn't be surprised if Bill just takes the leg game here, too, so you literally get like a, 
a true one second left, maybe even use. But they'd have to return the punt for for a touchdown. For a touchdown, yeah, exactly. Or and they can't they can't even catch a punt in this weather, so. Yeah, honestly, Wait, can't you just kick it out of bounds? Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Why wouldn't you just kick it out yeah, of bounds? Yeah, what? Here? Oh, the absolutely. The game is going to be over. You're absolutely. punched it out of bounds. This ain't a kickoff. You honestly, if you actually, if Jake Bailey just takes a knee. Yeah, if there's one second left, why don't you take the snap, wait two seconds, and then take? The don't snap. even, put, don't even put the punter <laughs> back there. We're we're slowly coming to the right football answer here, guys. Yeah, Oh, they just let it run to double zeros. We have terrible minds all thinking at the same time. The three of us, and we'll, we'll kind of get there. Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> we had a great game on the ground. Two twenty-two, like, and they knew we were gonna run it. Yeah. Quality. Quality football for the Patriots, number one seed. Crazy last play coming up. Should we wrap it up with some baseball? A little baseball uh, let's, play, let's talk some baseball. Another subject, subject that John is well-versed in. John's a baseball expert over here. All right, lockout. What do you think is going to happen? You know, as somebody who, who loves watching baseball, somebody who actually wants to go watch some spring training games next next spring, I'm really hoping they get it, get it CBA done. Prior to the prior to spring training, um, but the players are asking for a lot. They want they want the money now. They want it early in their careers. They're not they're not waiting to get to get hurt. Um, they want to get paid in the minors, and and I think that's going to be really tough to get past the owners. So at this point, I'm really worried we might we might lose some some games. In I think we're going to lose some games. I think we're going to lose some games that that. I'd be surprised if you are watching spring training baseball. I'd be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I'm, I'd, I'd be yeah, super psyched about it. It'd be great. But I don't think it's happening. I think the players want some things that are reasonable, and the owners want some things that are reasonable, and we need ourselves a good old call, like a good old fashioned compromise to fix the sport. That's what we need. It, so the players, on the, uh, from their standpoint, it's reasonable that seven years of service time is outlandish. That's a stupid number. Could you imagine like getting to the NFL at 22 and then finally getting paid at 29 years old? That just sounds outlandish. And like, it, it's a big issue because now they're hitting free agency and a lot of teams don't want to pay these players $300 million because they're 29, 30, 31, and they might have two, three more good years of their prime. So like from the player's standpoint, that needs to be fixed. I understand that. I think maybe four to five years of service time is more reasonable. And I think maybe you should input a franchise so they can still get paid at a very high level. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, you mm-hmm. want to franchise this player for 20 mil a year, 25 mil a year. So you can't lose your prospects. You know, you want to keep the small market teams in the game with a franchise. But you you literally, like, the seven, eight years, it's outlandish. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah, like, these players are long. hitting free agency at 30, 31 years old. Mm-hmm. On the owner's side, it's quite simple. They got to speed up the game. They got to speed up the game, dude. We can't watch four-hour games. It's not acceptable. There's some crazy stat. Like, the World Series this past year was, like, three hours and 45 minutes. And, like, 30 years ago, it was two hours and 45 minutes. Yeah. The games are just ridiculously long. And and it's just so hard to, to shorten them. Because the problem is that they get, they're getting longer because offense is getting better. Like, games, games 50, 60 years ago. It's kind of the nerds, too. I, I blame it on the nerds, bro. Because, like, it, it's 50, 60 years ago, you used to have the pitcher pitch all nine innings. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So all those Oh, I mean, the analytics, the, the sabermetrics yeah. are definitely uh, creating a lot more. And with the technology now, not even the nerds, but just the sign stealing. Like, every time there's a runner on, everyone's trying to steal their signs. They got cameras everywhere, and they're having to flip it every, like, ten minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's just... Bunch of extra time. We we need shorter pitching clocks. Fifteen seconds. I'm with you. I think fifteen second pitching clock. You got to ban the shift. I think two players on each side of the infield is fine. If you want to bring outfield, yeah, in, so I'm all on five, board that. and then you want to shift it, fine. But just basic standpoint, four infielders, two on each side, second base. Like you can't have three on one side because not only does that slow the game down by them all moving there, but I think like analytically it just stinks. Do we want to watch David Ortiz lay down a bunt or like any of these great hitters that are getting shifted lay down a bunt? Or do no. we want to watch him hit a line drive? We want to watch him hit a line drive. Yeah. And just putting, I mean, going putting somebody in the middle of the shortstop and third baseman or in the middle of the first and second baseman just like kills the strategy in, in trying to hit it in the gap. Like there's no gap anymore. 
No, there is no gap. So it's then, all like statistically like manipulated, so everyone knows exactly where they should stand based on like yeah. a certain probability, which is some nonsense. Yeah. And then I think like the the past couple of rules from these past two like the COVID year, and then that those rules extended into this year with the runner on second and extra innings, with the exception of the postseason, as well as when a reliever comes in three batter minimum. Gotta keep those. Yeah. No, I, I I agree. I think those rules have helped a lot. Here's my question: What do you think about juice baseballs? Did you see what what came yeah. out this morning that they used both juiced and non-juiced baseballs in the 2021 season? Yeah, ugh. I really don't like it. I think in general it's such a problem because MLB owns, I believe it's like Rawlings, but it might not be. Whatever the company is that manufactures the baseballs is owned by the MLB. So you don't have any like independent people making the baseballs. So if the MLB wants more home runs, Oh, let's make a baseball that, like, will travel farther. And if they want less home runs, they're like, oh, well, let's just limit this, and we'll have less home runs. Let's make the baseball heavier or whatever. So I just think the biggest problem is not having the baseballs made independently because you, you can't trust the integrity of the sport. When you can't trust the integrity of the sport, like, you lose all of the value in the sport, if you know what I'm saying. I think the fundamental issue is that the players want to get paid <clears throat> and the owners want the, to get paid. And so that's, like, that's issue number one, and the fans want the games to be short. Like, yeah. no fan can look at me with a straight face and be like, you know what I'd love? I want the games to get longer. That'd be sick. Hey, John, how would a seven-hour baseball game sound? Does that sound dope to you? Sounds so much worse than the seven-hour or six-hour baseball game that we went to. Yeah, John sounds like he literally wants to murk himself. <laughs> like, with that thought, no part of that, bro. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, baseball, fix your sport, please. And my final conclusion, Torben, just to wrap this up, I don't think they're going to really accomplish anything. Like, all of what I asked for, I think won't be accomplished in a lot of the late start of the season, and you'll be like, so what's different in baseball? Oh, nothing. Hey, as long as we don't miss a World Series like we did in 90, 94, I think, I think I'm okay with it. Because it's, I mean, it was going to happen at some point. We've had, we've gotten very close to some labor disputes in baseball over the last decade. Like, it was bound to happen at some point. But, I mean, as a Mariners fan, getting really hot this year, it's a bummer that it's happening this season. But, we'll see. It is what it is. All right, we got to wrap it up real quick, real quick. little surprise segment that we forgot to include earlier. All right, John, how are your Saints doing? Any thoughts? It was Thursday night football. They played the Cowboys. How about them boys? The weekly segment. How are John Saints? It's gotten progressively worse from week to week to week. Well, be be, be uh yeah you know. All right. Well, Taysom Hill is not a quarterback. You don't like him? No, he is he is a he is an amalgam of athlete. He is a human thumb with lots of muscles, and he can run really really fast. He can catch the ball pretty well, and he can truck over defenders just as good as anyone can. But he cannot throw the damn ball. And I understand he had a broken he had a broken finger or some sort of issue with one of his fingers. I get that. But wow, that was a disgusting performance. I'm and they're they're playing Ian Book next week, and I am fully expecting him to look so much better. Than are you excited for that? I am so excited. I think he sucks, by the way. I don't. I don't care. You, you can't be worse than what Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill have been doing the past the past four weeks. Five you weeks. haven't seen Ian Book yet, so don't sleep. I I liked Ian Book at Notre Dame. Oh really? I think he was always really solid. Uh, he loves to throw the tight end, so we'll see what he does with the. Well, our tight end is Adam, poo. Troutman. Adam Troutman keeps dropping every ball that's thrown his way. The entire um, team is poo. At the entire I mean, team is poo. Hopefully, Alvin Kamara can come back and do something. Yeah, for real. I need him for fantasy. Hopefully, honestly, Same. Ian Book <laughs> just gives you like anything worth watching. If Ian Book plays a competitive game next week, that should just like warm your We're heart. We're playing the Jets. We should win. Oh, if you lose to the Jets. Zach Wilson looked the actually pretty good last week. He didn't he play. I thought he threw three first-half touchdowns. Didn't he not play yesterday when they played? Maybe. Are you talking about a week ago, or are you talking about literally yesterday? Who knows, bro? These was, a lot of things happened. Fair enough. Torben, you want to let me know if Zach Wilson played this I'm, I'm last game? I'm checking right now. 
Oh man! Uh, Zach Wilson did play, but he had two two touchdowns and a and a pick. Yeah, but they did play the Eagles touchdowns. though, and I would just like to note that Minshew Mania Gardner maybe back. Oh, my I love Gardner. my guy Gardner Minshew. So I mean, he his first game ever was about the exact same, just as good. So I mean, I'm like it's Gardner Minshew. He's electric. He's one of the best personalities in the NFL by. Far. I best love mustache in the NFL. Best mustache, best hair in the NFL. It's inc- it's incredible. Everything about him is great. And did you see him rocking that Top Gun jacket the after the game? Top Gun jacket. Dude, did you see him sneaking out with his sleep. dad? Like, yeah, he was so hyped up. up. That was awesome. Hey, and that's if the he's of, not your favorite player, then then you're doing something wrong. I knew I so many favorite, teams. But he's definitely up there. We're going to regret it like when this trade happened like three or four months ago. And Gardner left the Jags for a six-round pick. I was like, just wait till there's like six or seven games left in the year. There's going to be a handful of teams that just regret not trading literally a six-round pick for Gardner Minshew. Mm-hmm. Like the Saints right now. Yeah. You know, you know how dope you'd be? You I would know how be late so, you'd be? I would be so happy with Gardner Minshew. If Minchu. Gardner was your backup like four weeks ago instead of Trevor Simeon. You'd be in such a fundamentally different place right now as an organization. I would honestly think that. Okay, no, no, I, I don't think we could play it, win a playoff game. If we had Michael Thomas, if that you all, might make the playoffs, you might make the playoffs. We, I think we would make the yeah. playoffs if we had gotten him four weeks ago. I don't think we would win a playoff game unless Michael Thomas had like done all the surgery. Replace stuff. Geno Smith with Gardner Minshew for the Seahawks. Like I'm just saying, they'd be in a completely Eight. different spot. Right and now. he played; he's already played in Washington. He's Gardner Minshew's got a lot of fans. Oh, in Washington. that would have been so cool! I didn't even make that connection. Washington State hero, go Cougs! Gardner Minshew with Mike Leach, right? That's the yes. Oh, they were running it up. I got to there. see that their their last uh, home game. Did they put a beating on someone? Who they no, play? it was that that Apple Cup in the snow. Uh, Maybe out in Pullman, dumping game. snow. Yeah, they had a great bowl game, but right. uh, I just, I just had a thought. What if Gardner Minshew, not in terms of his actual play style, but the fact that he is going to be a lifelong journeyman? How, like, what do you think about him being the next like meme of a personality, like uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick? Oh, that's or so like, perfect. I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah, I was like, say like, like, yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's he like is the, the next Ryan Fitzpatrick. He is. Like I mean, imagine imagine Gardner Minshew in 15 years throws four touchdown passes opening week against the Saints, and he comes out rocking a fat chain and aviators. Wouldn't like, be surprised. Like that's exactly like that, that is, is totally Ryan Fitzpatrick. That is Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's Gardner Minshew. All right, let's conclude this show. Gardner Minshew is Ryan Fitzpatrick. I will be more sober next time. John will sleep more next time. We're going to get Torben to pull up again when it's not a mess. Thank y'all. We're out. Thank you for having me. Like, comment, subscribe, follow us on all the social medias. Take care, y'all. Let's go.